When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome to Stupidity, home of the greatest media mind ever to walk the planet. I tell you what, man, he's a literal titan across the entire media landscape. Okay, so here's the deal. He's a true icon in every sense of the word. He's loved and feared more than any being to grace this planet. There's two guys. Is it a man with a voice that sounds like Barry White and Beyonce had a Jewish baby? God himself would pay $39.99 for a cameo. Fact of the matter is, You are about to embark on a transcendent experience that can only be described as psychological nudity. This is Stugatz, and this is Stupidity. Here we go, Jim. Tony! Welcome into another episode of Stupidity, the biggest podcast in the world thanks to you and DraftKings. Please subscribe, rate, and review. Unsubscribe, resubscribe, re-rate, re-review. You have made us the biggest podcast in the world. We are going to have Jake Fisher on. He is an author, an NBA writer, an NBA journalist, but he's an author of a book about tanking in the NBA and appropriate to bring him on now with the Philadelphia 76ers. Trust the process. It looks like the process is complete as they are the one seed here in the East. So we'll talk to Jake about that. But before we get to Jake, Mikey A, a quick game of athletes that connote losing, that connote tanking. How about that? What do you think? Huh? Uh... JP Lossman. <laughs> you lose. Let's bring on Jake Fisher. 
All right, Jake Fisher is with us. He's a basketball journalist. He has written for Sports Illustrated, Slam Magazine, Bleacher Report, the Boston Globe, and more. He has written his first book, Built to Lose, How the NBA's Tanking Ever Changed the League Forever. It really did. Jake, why would you decide to write this book? The short answer, I mean, I grew up in Philly covering the Sixers for Liberty Ballers at SB Nation, and then I was in school in Boston kind of moonlighting at night through Slam Magazine, like you mentioned, as, as an NBA reporter when, you know, people forget the Celtics traded KG and Paul Pierce to Brooklyn the same night that Hinky started the process trading Drew Holiday to New Orleans, that 2013 draft, and... I just felt like I was in the eye of the hurricane. It, it was all these analytical-minded executives like Sam Hinkie, like Rob Hennigan in Orlando too, Ryan McDonough in Phoenix to name a few. They were all trying to tank for this 2014 class featuring Joel Embiid, Andrew Wiggins, Jabari Parker, your boy Julius Randle was the seventh best guy in that draft. And, yeah. you know, the, 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 the process and the strategy has clearly worked for a lot of those teams. Although I will tell you this, Jake, and Mikey, yeah, you should know this as well. Uh, I was on first take way back when, right before the 2014 draft, and they asked me, I was with Sedano, they asked me, who do you think the best player out of the 2014 draft will be? And I said at the time, Julius Randle. Uh, how about how about some credit, guys? I mean, please. I mean, <laughs> listen. He he was definitely. I mean, he he led that team to the Final Four that year, right? I mean, he was a bull in the paint. I, I remember the Final Four was in Dallas. He was a Texas native. Like he was a that was considered a seven player draft, and he was definitely in that top tier. So was Sam Hankey, This is this is interesting to me, Jake. Was Sam Hankey ahead of his time, or was he just the first one to kind of voice it publicly what it is that he was doing? I think I think it was the latter. I mean, all those teams were were copying OKC, right? They drafted KD, yeah. Russ, and Harden three straight years from 2007 to 2009, and they jumped right to the finals in 2012. But but coincidentally, they ran into that Miami Heat juggernaut, which was made up of three guys in the top five from the 03 class, and that 14 class was coincidentally considered to be the best class since 2003. So the timing just matched up where all these teams thought, instead of competing against Miami, we'll punt, we'll get the next generation of those guys. And by the time our guys are, are that type of all-star caliber player, the Miami Heat won't be what they were. And obviously the Heat are still around, but with a different iteration of guys. And LeBron is still kicking, but he's in L.A. And, and we do see Philly and, you know, Julius Randle's an MVP candidate. So um, I, I think Sam definitely was just more brazen about it than anybody. And he was, wasn't willing to, to make any uh, negotiations off of, off of his strategy. Does it bother you at all that for the most part, really not for the most part, just the way it is in the NBA, you have to be really, really bad in order to have a chance of getting really, really good? It doesn't bother me. I do think it's a conundrum that the league faces where, you know, as great as it is that the league now is an 11th month news cycle and fans on NBA Twitter care just as much as, you know, offseason forecasting and all that type of stuff and photoshopping players into new jerseys. You know, we are seeing an issue where ratings are down in the regular season. You know, I cover the league personally, right? And I, I, I struggle on, you know, an April night to watch a random game on Wednesday. I, sure. it's, there's all this programming on TV nowadays, right, or on, on your streaming services. So um, I, I think it's an issue, um, but I, smarter people than myself are going to have to come up with that answer. 
Do NBA front office members, in your experience, as you're putting this book together, do they acknowledge that tanking indeed does go on all over the place? Absolutely. I talked to over 300 players, coaches, executives, agents, you name it, for this book. And across the board, I mean, people aren't necessarily willing to say I'm tanking on the record, but they're willing to point the finger at other people. And I, I I was on the phone yesterday for my weekly column that I report out for Bleacher Report, and many executives I talked to just this week were complaining about what OKC is doing right now, sending Al Horford home for half the year, benching Shea Gilgis-Alexander for 20-plus games for a sprained ankle. I mean, Houston just has John Wall sitting healthy on the bench while Kevin Porter Jr. takes his spot. Those teams are doing something far more you know, brazen and bald than Sam Hinkie ever did, and they're not getting any you know repercussions from the league. And some executives I talk to want that to happen. They want OKC to kind of be punished for, for what they're doing with Al Horford and all that type of stuff. Do you think the reason they're not getting any sort of blowback, do you think it's just becoming more common and just because I think any NBA executive would do the same thing? Like that, listen, the league legislates, excuse me, be bad and you'll be good. I mean, that's, and so until they fix that, this is the way it's going to be and you can't blame people for doing it, you know? Ironically, the draft is a very socialist type of experiment, right? Where it's it's designed to have parity and designed for everybody to be even in this league. Um, I, I think OKC and Houston aren't really getting as much attention, being that they're not Philadelphia, you know, a number four media market in the city, where you know they were, the, you know, the third greatest franchise in terms of wins and history, stuff like that, where they were getting headlines every year. I mean, that 15-16 Sixers team that was marching potentially to have the worst record of all time they were stealing sports center headlines from the golden state warriors who were the very best team ever and that was definitely an issue for the league owners were complaining about um you know fans not coming to their arenas and obviously that isn't an issue this year with the pandemic so maybe the lack of fans in the arenas are also playing a factor in the league not really having such an outcry about what what's going on at this present moment are we seeing Sam Hinkie's finished product here? And and if we are, then it worked. Then tanking works because they're sitting 47-23 a game up in the East over the Nets who have Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden. Uh, clearly it worked. Are we seeing the, the, the finished Sam Hinkie product right now? I think so. I mean, obviously his old partner from Houston, Daryl Moore, is the one who's retooled this roster and they brought in Doc Rivers and that's kind of pushed everything to the next degree. But I mean, Sam's plan was always to get multiple All-Stars and to see how they could push you into the perennial title contention. Like, it was never an idea of, let's just let's just compete for one. They wanted to compete for multiple championships, and people can point fingers and poke holes in his strategy and say, oh, Michael Carter-Williams failed, Nerone's Noel failed, Jalil Okafor failed. But that, I think, was Hinky's strategy. I think he wanted as many darts to throw at the dartboard as possible because any executive will admit to you that the draft is an inexact science. And things happen like injuries or someone trades up one spot ahead of you and takes your guy. I mean, Joel Embiid... Joel Embiid would have gone number one to Cleveland in 2014 if he didn't break his foot in his workout with Cleveland. Cavs officials to this day maintain that Embiid was having this incredible, like, best workout they'd ever seen in in the history of all these executives' careers. And then he broke that foot, and Milwaukee wouldn't take him number two. They wanted to take Jabari Parker. And, 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 I mean, I have Bucks owner Mark Lazary on the record in the book saying that they wanted to make the playoffs and they couldn't take Embiid. So he kind of just fell to Hinky at three. Wow. But that's, that was the genius of the strategy. You get two guys, other players will want to come play with them. I mean, Phoenix is the same thing. Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton draw uh, Chris Paul's attention. 
Obviously, Boston's fallen down the standings, but they had Tatum and Brown, and then they drew Al Horford and Gordon Hayward, and they were in the conference finals a bunch of years before they've stumbled off of late. So I, I think the strategy clearly has its dividends. Jake Fisher with us here on Stupidity, basketball journalist, written for Sports Illustrated, Slam Magazine, Bleacher Report, The Boston Globe, and more. His first book is out, Built to Lose, How the NBA's Tanking Era Changed the League Forever. Uh, here's what's interesting about the Sixers. Can you imagine the one draft they screwed, well, they screwed up a couple, but the one real, uh, the one draft they really screwed up was taking Markel Fultz. If they had taken Jason Tatum, can you imagine that team right now, Jake? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that that's why I think the draft is so fascinating, too. And it's a real central theme of the book. Like, these decisions are decisions that cost $2 billion franchises, you know, ultimate success or ultimate glory sometimes. And when when information gets passed down that you know this team wants this guy and, and other teams have their number you know they can do things like Boston you know kind of raking Philly over the coals and getting an extra first round pick and taking their guy at three they would have taken a one anyway so I think that um, that clash of all these concepts and ideas and and you know agents trying to steer their guy to their preferred destination and teams trying to draft a certain player for a certain fit all the competing agendas all at once when the clock is ticking down and Adam Silver's on the stage in Brooklyn like those nights are, are pretty impactful in the book you you detail your time you you spent plenty of time in war rooms back in 2013 2014 2015 uh what'd you learn in those war rooms whose uh whose war rooms were you in and what'd you learn while you were in them so I didn't, I didn't personally go into the war rooms, but I, okay. from from talking to people, I've always wanted to go into a war room. Me too. Man. I really, me too. Yeah, it's like a dream for me. You know, <laughs> they won't allow they you. Won't allow it's, 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 I know they won't. It seems like heaven though to me, Mike. I mean, it really does. There's it's so much proprietary idea. information yes. going on in there. That's why I want to be there. Yes, I know. <laughs> I, I mean, want to steal it all. I mean, <laughs> I, I've I've talked to a lot of teams that kind of give you a picture of it. I mean, I know Boston. They set up a thing in the Celtics home locker room, and they're kind of you know around the jerseys and the history, and they're you know. Ready to bring in the next guy. Philly's really interesting in that Sam Hinkie at their old facility at the Philadelphia of Osteopathic Medicine, um, he had like his own office with a conference room that kind of had an adjoining door like hotel rooms. And he'd have his nucleus of guys in his big room. And then he'd call a scout every now and then to come in, kind of like the, the Don of a, of a mafia family, summoning someone <laughs> to the back room. And he'd say, you know, you know, we're considering taking this guy at 11. Like, I know you have a connection to his college coach or something. Like, give us that last piece of intel you want. And, um, you know, we have, everyone knows the jo- the Joe Dumars meme where he's holding up two phones. Like, someone told me that 2013 draft, Hanky was doing that. He had a mobile and a landline to one ear. He had his his uh, his sleeves rolled up, his tie loosened. He was on the phone bartering, negotiating. Um, so that, 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 that's like one type of scene I can paint for you. Uh, Jake, I know you're a journalist, but but are you a Knicks fan? Are you a fan of a particular team? I grew up a Philly fan, but uh, my brother gives me okay. flack for this all the time. I, I think being a reporter, the the objectivity just kind of uh, washes over you. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> yeah, because yeah, it washes over you too, guys. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> I only asked him that because I was wondering if he marveled, like we all did, Mike, at the fact that even when the Knicks tried to tank, they couldn't do that right. Not only did they not get Zion Williamson, they didn't get John Morant. Were you laughing like the, uh, the rest of the country, Jake? 
Well, a little bit. I mean, I do want every team to oh, be successful, you. but I mean, it is kind of funny. And also, I, I mean, the, the Knicks picked to tank the very first year that the lottery reform that was a result of all the years we're talking about came into effect. So previously, yes. they would have had a 25% chance at getting him. They picked the first year that the worst team would going to be be grouped in with the bottom three teams where they all get a 14% chance. And it was a, it was a two-player draft, and they fell to three. It's just... And, and, you know, the lottery is so intertwined in the NBA's history with all these conspiracy theories dating back to the first, the very first year in 1985, the frozen envelope, people forget. That was the very first iteration of the lottery. Before that, it was the coin flip at, between the, the worst two teams or the worst team in the West and the worst team in the East. And David Stern wanted to prevent that from happening because Houston tanked to get Hakeem Olajuwon that year. So flash forward 35 years later, in the very first year that Adam Silver puts in his lottery reform, the Knicks get burned by it. I thought that irony was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, funny, yeah. <laughs> that was so insane. Yeah, real riot. Yeah, real, real laugh track, this guy. I mean, yeah, real. <laughs> laugh a minute. I mean, seriously. God, I hate them so much, Mike. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Oh, my God. So, Jack, I'm wondering, like, does the NBA, do you think the NBA needs to address this? Do they have any plans to address this in terms of tanking? Because I know so many GMs don't like it, even though they do it, because why wouldn't you do it? And I know they put the play-in games, and that's helping out as teams are start, are, are playing uh, their starters deeper into the season. So, uh, does the NBA plan on trying to address this, or just going to leave it as is? I think they'll leave it as is. Executives I've talked to have always kind of said when the league makes a big swing and a big change like the lottery reform, like the play-in tournament, they like to kind of puff their chest out and, 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 yeah. and, and raise their fist and say, you know, we fixed it. Everything's solved. Um, and, and they don't want to go back on their word and kind of change things around for a little while. Um, I, I think the only way to really get rid of it is to strip your draft positioning for having any dependency on your record. That that would be something like the wheel scenario that Mike Zarin in Boston has proposed where, you know, teams would be, be in five or six buckets and then you'd still have a lottery, but you'd have a drawing of those five teams, one through five. And then that group the next year, they'd be drawing 26 through 30. And the next year there'd be six through 10 and everyone would kind of rotate around like that. But I think, you know, for a team like Houston, where they did everything they can to get James Harden and build around him, and all of a sudden he says, screw it, I want to go to Brooklyn. Like, what are the Rockets' other opportunities? Like, right now, I think the draft being as it's constructed is the only way for these teams that get mired with a superstar wanting out or a small market like OKC. It's really the, the most direct path for somebody like that to, to bounce back towards contention. Stu Gatz here for my friends over at Miller Lite. A lot's changed over the years. One thing that hasn't, the great taste of Miller Lite. Another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. So, what is the best thing about the original light beer? Miller Lite sparked this debate in 1975, and we still haven't settled it. I have been enjoying ice-cold Miller Lights for as long as I can remember. In fact, I enjoyed some over the weekend. As the Knicks beat the Sixers in advance of the second round, me and my friends, we sat around, we celebrated. With ice-cold Miller Lights, what did we do? We made fun of Joel Embiid. Oh, I love it. The Knicks. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and is less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com stew. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. 
Fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer. Check out his new book, Jake Fisher's new book, Built to Lose, How the NBA's Tanking Era Changed the League Forever. Uh, Really fascinating stuff. Uh, Can you take us inside? One of the things you detailed in the book was how Kobe's final contract, which probably... Well, it depends on your, your vantage point. It was probably unnecessary, at least from my vantage point. Uh, but how it got in the way of the Lakers signing LeBron James? Well, I can tell you there are people that maybe are still with the Lakers organization today, but that were definitely with it back then, who believe it was unnecessary and believe that he would have taken a deal half that salary. He took a two-year, $48.5 million deal, which kept him having the most expensive contract in the league as a 36-year-old who was coming off an Achilles tear. But the Lakers, they had a goal, they had a plan in mind to sign both LeBron and Carmelo, but doing the Kobe extension in that fall prevented them from having two max cap slots. And unfortunately for the Lakers, LeBron was only coming to any team on a max salary deal. He after years in Miami, he didn't want to take a discount anymore. And the Lakers giving Kobe that money ahead of time. It prevented that from ever happening, and ultimately, it's it's it sparked this spiral where, you know, they have old Kobe tearing his Achilles and hurting his knee and hurting his shoulder, and Steve Nash hurts his back carrying bags, and they sign a bunch of one-year guys, and ultimately they end up having the worst record over five years um, in this entire tanking era. I mean, they were they had a worse record that entire five-year stretch than than Sam Hinkie's Sixers did, which just goes to show how poorly managed they were, but. The Lakers are included in the book because it doesn't matter. They still sign LeBron in 2018 anyway, right? And right that, that's yeah. that's kind of why these other teams have to tank. They're not the Lakers where, you know, Travis, Travis Schlenk, the Hawks GM, told me that the Lakers were the worst poorly managed team in the NBA for five years, and they still fell ass backwards into LeBron. So that's exactly why I think small market teams and other teams who aren't LA, they kind of have no other choice but to do that. Uh, my dog Finney's a big Laker fan, so I, that's why he's he's he's, he's perked up here. Uh, I am what? So are you telling me, Jake, that Kobe? You think Kobe would have taken half, and it could have been Kobe, LeBron, and Carmelo? That's what a lot of Lakers Jesus. people still believe. Yeah, Car- and Carmelo God. was on board. They met with Carmelo first. He had a meeting with Lakers brass, and they had somebody from uh, Time Warner Cable, I believe, the big TV partner with his wife Lala was in there, and they were talking about all his Hollywood opportunities. And he said, you know, I'm down to take a little bit less money if LeBron's going to come. But LeBron, uh, he had, he, LeBron didn't even meet with people. He had Mark Tremini and Rich Paul and Akron meeting with all these teams, and they said he's only taking the max. Go get a max salary slot for him to come to your team. And the Lakers couldn't do that with Carmelo. And LeBron wasn't going to that terrible Lakers team by himself. So the Lakers did kind of shoot themselves in the foot, if you believe these people who I talked to. That is uh, that is pretty amazing. All wow. right. Uh, yeah. Mike, can you imagine that, though? Kobe, Carmelo. Uh, like, if I'm – well, I mean, jeez. Jeez. Like, Kobe being willing uh, – Kobe willing to take half is the most shocking thing I've heard in this interview. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, half anything. Um, what is the most shocking thing you learned putting this book together, Jake? Yeah, I, I like the Lakers are in there as an example of the team that doesn't have to tank, right? The Kings are in there as a cautionary tale of what happens when you don't tank and you're not a big market and you're stuck in that treadmill of mediocrity forever where the owner is having all this palace intrigue, picking different coaches, picking different executives. There's this crazy detail in at Summer League in 2014 where – um, the Kings coaching staff under Mike Malone at the time, they're already hearing that they're on the hot seat. They're already hearing George Carl is the name that's going to be his replacement if and when he does get fired. And they're in Las Vegas at La Pecheria, some restaurant on the Strip. 
And I mean, anyone who's been to Vegas knows there's thousands of restaurants on the strip, right? But sure enough, yeah. as they're hearing they're on the hot seat, as they're hearing George Carl is the name, they're walking out of the restaurant and who walks in, but King's owner, Vivek Ranadive, his advisor at the time, Chris Mullen and George Carl walking into the same exact restaurant. And that's just one story of like literally a dozen crazy anecdotes I have about the King's front office just kind of stepping on each other's toes and stabbing each other in the back. It's pretty nuts. Uh, this is awkward. Mike, uh, Mike, what was that sound you made there? That was, <laughs> I don't know, this it. is awkward. Wait, wait. So what Jake is saying is the return. Had Kobe figured this out, had the Lakers figured this out, LeBron doesn't go back to Cleveland. Probably, probably. Holy shit. <laughs> I mean, there's listen, a reason. He should have stayed in. Listen, Jake, we all know he should have stayed in Miami. He got up on that stage before he even bounced the basketball, and he promised us eight or nine seasons. He left after four. It was a complete failure. Exactly. But anyway, I can, yeah, yeah, thank you. You agree. Listen, listen when, when 2018 <laughs> came around, there was a reason why it was not considered a surprise he was going to Los Angeles, right? It was because he definitely had an eye for it starting in 2014. Absolutely. Wow. Wow. Uh, that's going to piss some people in Cleveland off, I think, don't you? <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, listen, it was a nice kumbaya. Dan Gilbert flew his private jet down to Miami and apologized for that Comic Sans letter. And they trade Andrew Wiggins for Kevin Love. And they do that whole, you know, super team building thing. And they, they get one title. And LeBron, you know, lives in Cleveland history forever. But he was definitely considering going to Los Angeles. And I, I don't think he would deny it if you, if you inject the truth serum into him right now. Uh, does that team win a championship at 14 if he goes to the Lakers? Carmelo, yeah, they win a championship. Yeah, they would have still right? had Paul Gasol. Who knows what Steve yeah. Nash would have – maybe Steve Nash would have been able to chip in some time. Right. So, yeah, it would, have been, it would have been really interesting to see. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. All right, Jake Fisher with us, Built to Lose, how the NBA's tanking era changed the league forever, available wherever books are sold. Um, all right, we're going to play a quick game with you. You'd be great, and we'll get you out of here. It's called Fisher or Fishy, okay? <laughs> okay? All right. Knicks winning a playoff round will mean more to New York City than the Nets winning a title. Fisher or Fishy? Um, for the fans, Fisher, yeah. I mean, Knicks fans are going nuts that the fact that they are even competing for having home court advantage in the first round, right? I think, listen, I was trying to pitch a second book about the Nets, and a lot of publishers have been telling us that no one cares about the Nets. So that's, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, a, little, that's a little personal wound I can tell you about, about the difference between the two fan bases. <laughs> smart, smart publishers. Uh, Mike, get all those publishers on the podcast. Okay? Yes. Thank you. Uh, seeing someone drop money, picking up the money, and putting it in your own pocket, Fisher or Fishy? <laughs> fishy. I mean, if they're, if they're still if they're still in your grasp, yeah. hey, you, you drop this. Right, right. But what if they're out of your what grasp? What if it's a twenty? <laughs> <laughs> and, if, and if they have headphones and you're calling after them and they don't hear you, eh, just take it. It's fine. Okay. Yeah, but no, Mike. That's a great follow up. Uh, how like how high do I need to go? What if a hundred falls out? I mean... <laughs> Everything is relative in life, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, ketchup on a hot dog. Fisher or fishy? Fisher, for sure. I'm a ketchup guy. Really? Wow. Uh, may- mayo on a burger. Fisher or fishy? Um, it depends. If it's like an aioli, I'm I'm in. 
<laughs> An aioli. Uh, getting the wrong change and keeping the extra change. Fisher or fishy? I think, again, context is relevant. How much are we talking about here? Is it, is it like 90 cents? Is it, you know, $9? I, I, I don't know. Sometimes maybe, you know, you're having a bad day and you're, you're just getting a little, a little lucky break, you know? Right. So if it's 90 cents, are you giving it back? Probably not. That's too much math to then figure out in, in your hand. You know, you're counting the quarters I'm and the dimes sure and all that. Wrong. <laughs> How about $9? There's no way then, right? Obviously. Uh, hooking up with your friend's ex, Fisher or Fishy? That's a tough one, Mike. I, I'm going to say for sure. Um, I mean, I've had a lot of friends who yes. just don't yes. just don't care at a certain point. And at the end of the day, what happened in the past happened in the past. We're all adults. We can all make our own decisions. If things are consensual, you know, what's, what's not to love? Keeping a friend you don't like, Lord knows I have many of these, keeping a friend you don't like to use their vacation home, Fisher or Fishy? <laughs> Fisher, because listen, if, if you're keeping them, they're, they're keeping you for a reason too, right? <laughs> Picking food off someone's plate while they're away from their plate, Fisher or Fishy? I do that to Dan all the time. Fisher, for sure. One time I was at a bar in downtown Manhattan, uh, Fish Market, it's a great little spot. There's this awesome fried rice, and I watched this girl I didn't even know take two bites of it, get a phone call, tell the bartender, I got to leave. Uh, and then she, she took two bites, and I knew the bartender said, hey, you want this? I didn't think twice. <laughs> I love it. All right, a couple of basketball ones will get you out of here. Chris Paul being a top five point guard of all time. Fisher or Fishy? Fisher, for sure. I mean, I think he might end up going down as the all-time leader in assists, what he's doing in Phoenix right now, what he did in OKC last year. I mean, he's the point god for a reason. Shouldn't I – I mean, listen, shouldn't a top five point guard of all time make an NBA final? <laughs> I mean, seriously. <laughs> like Magic, you know, like Isaiah Thomas, like the all-time greats, you know? I agree. I mean, they were a hamstring injury way, which ha, 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 you can make fun of the Rockets for saying that, but they were, and they yeah. ran against that. I mean, the Golden State Warriors that they ran into year after year, the Clippers teams, you know, that whole collapse with Blake and DeAndre with the Rockets and Doc, I don't know. I think, you know, there's a lot of players throughout history who never made it there for various circumstances, and I, I don't really hold the rings culture against a lot of people like some people do. The Knicks will win a championship this decade. Fisher, Fishy? Uh, I'm really curious how they do it this offseason. I'm going to say Fishy, <laughs> though. I mean, they haven't, well, they haven't done it in, you know, how long. So at a certain point, uh, I think history – kind of precedes itself and um i mean i wouldn't bet my life on it that's for sure uh good yeah since before i was born is the answer to that uh kevin durant being a top five player of all time fisher fishy if he can stay healthy he probably goes down as the all-time leading scorer and he's won two titles already he's won an mvp he might win more it's it's uh, right now fisher okay fishy uh the nba does <laughs> not want to see utah or phoenix in the finals fisher fishy um I think I'll say fishy, but if Utah does make it, they'll definitely use this last dance nostalgia as a way to pump up like the Jazz are back, and they'll try to they'll try to do the whole '90s whatnot, and they'll make right. it work. Doesn't have the same ring as the Knicks being back though. <laughs> absolutely not. Guys, absolutely not. Anthony Edwards will be a superstar in five years. Fisher, fishy. Fisher, I think maybe sooner. I think he is. Uh, he's great. A stud. Yes. 
I think yes. I mean, from talking to Minnesota people throughout the last couple of weeks, I mean, just the growth he's shown in these games that mean nothing um, has been amazing to watch. And I, I wrote a story for Bleach Report before the draft, ranking him over Lamelo and c- comparing and contrasting. I think Edwards is a t- is going to be a two way stud, like someone like Dwayne Wade, maybe even better. He is really, really going to be. I mean, he's got the personality to match too. Totally agree with you. Uh, Giannis will be a buck in two years. Fisher, fishy. Fishy. Um, he wow. was definitely considering, before the Supermax extension, he was definitely considering Miami and Dallas. I know for a fact, talking to people in his representation group, they were they brought up, they broke out the calculator and were comparing four-year deals in Florida and, and Texas with those state taxes versus the five-year Supermax in Milwaukee. And I don't think they're making it out of the East this year. I don't think they're going to that, that things are going to change with Brooklyn and Philly going anywhere. And if they don't do it, you know, he easily can ask for a trade. And uh, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I, th- I think it's very likely. Uh, all right, three quick ones. We get you out of here. Julius Randle is better than Chris Bosh. Fisher, fishy. That's <laughs> ridiculous. I mean. uh, I'm going to say fishy, but he's on his way. He's definitely on it. Okay. Chris, Chris Bosh was never a real bonafide MVP candidate. I'll give you that. There you go. Uh, James Dolan, Fisher, fishy. <laughs> fishy. I mean, I'm not a hockey fan, but what I read about the Rangers this week was not good. Okay. And uh, last one for you, Stugatz. Well, <laughs> if, if, you get, if you get me on the Levitard after this, Fisher. <laughs> Wait, so right now I'm fishy, but if I get you on with Dan Fisher? Um, if you don't, you're still Fisher, but I'm, I'm going to hold you to it. <laughs> I don't want to be Fisher. I want to be Fisher. <laughs> hey, uh, this was fantastic, man. We appreciate it. Built to Lose, how the NBA's tanking era changed the league forever. Jake Fisher is the author. Also check him out. Uh, Bleacher Report. Uh, Jake, this was a lot of fun, man. Hope you enjoyed it. I will get you on with Levitard. I will uh, I will do everything I can. You're okay? on the you're on the record now, and in my in my line of work, I hope people do that. Listen, don't uh, tell me to take it out. In, in my line of work, we have two different lines. I know we're in the same industry, but you're a journalist. I'm not. In my line of work, that meant nothing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jake, good luck with the book. We appreciate it, man. You were awesome. Thank you, man. Thank you, guys. This was really fun. Uh, Mike, that was fantastic. Jake Fisher was fantastic. I don't know why I'm so surprised. I sound surprised. I shouldn't be surprised, but I'm surprised that Jake fucking Fisher was that good. Uh, Mike, have you thought of any uh, athletes that connote losing, connote tanking, uh, since the uh, since uh, the last time I asked you, and I gave you a little J.P. Lossman, have you? Um... Uh, uh, that's a no, because I spent the entire time with Jake Fisher. All I was thinking about, his information was great, I think. I'll trust the audience on it. I'll trust you. All I was thinking about was Ernie L's. Stupidity! L's. <laughs> get it? <laughs> Stugatz here for my friends over at Miller Lite. A lot has changed over the years. One thing that hasn't, the great taste of Miller Lite. It was the original light beer, and to this day, it's still the best one. Miller Lite has more of the taste you want and less of the stuff you don't. What I love to do, what me and my friends do, when we're sitting around, we like to enjoy it with ice-cold Miller Lights. Miller Lite keeps it simple, undebatable quality, great taste, only 96 calories. It's the beer that strips away everything you don't need and holds on to what matters most. The original light beer since 1975, you don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and is less filling. 
Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash stew, or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories per 12 ounces, fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 